It's the final regular season week of 2021. We've got you covered with a special final week strategy session, plus expanded waiver wire picks and our pitcher preview. The ultimate regular season episode of Beat the Shift is next. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always, Ruvain Guy. How are you, Ruvain? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty tense here with uh, Fantasy Baseball in its final two weeks. I am in a rough one. Uh, the Tout Wars head-to-head points league finals uh, with Frank Stamfel. It's me and him. He has an early lead. He, had, he was up about 70 points. I've cut the lead down to 35 I uh, can go either way. I don't know. I'm a little bit tense about it. Uh, I think I can pull it off. It's going to be close. It's a matter of those two-star pitchers, see how they work. And how are you doing with the labor league that we're in together, by the way? Uh, so far, tied for first place. We got 89 points. Ron Chandler's 89. <laughs> Jeff Zimmerman, 88. That's another dog fight. This one, though, I think it's ours to win because we have three very easy points in batting average. If we have a good week, then we're going to gain three points, and that probably is enough to do it. We can also gain a point in homers. We can gain a point in wins. We can gain a point in strikeouts. So there's a lot of play- stolen bases, like literally two stolen bases, three homers, and 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 uh, a little bit of batting average, and we gain seven points. You know, it's 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 ours to uh, to win, but, hey, you know, they're going to try their best to gain a couple points themselves. And it's ours to win, and we can also lose it the last day of the season. How are you doing with TGFBI? my team is kind of in the dumps. I mean, I have 90 points, which is a good showing, but I'm still in fifth place. So I've dropped to third. I was in first or second the entire season. I've dropped to third. I'm five points out of first place. It's been changing daily. So, uh, you know, a good good day, and I, I go up two, and they go down two, and I'm back in first. So, uh, uh, hey, you know, you never know. I'm in the uh, top 35 overall, so uh, a pretty good showing, I think, this year. Yeah, overall, I'm 136, which is not horrible considering I was close to the literal bottom of everyone toward midseason. So I did make a comeback. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to talk tonight in our strategy section. Our episode tonight is our final week decisions. And the final week is a little bit different from all other weeks because there are some things that you can do or you would do that you would not do in any other uh, time of the year. We're talking redraft leagues especially. And I thought I could go through a couple of points here, and maybe you'll comment on some of them and give your own, um, talking about things that you should do uh, in the final week. So, you know, first of all, the first thing is uh, there's no fear of dropping anyone. Um, You know, we always say that you shouldn't drop somebody if they're going to be picked up the following week. Well, nobody's going to be picked up the following week. In a redraft league, uh, anybody you dropped is done for the season when it's the final fab period. So you just go with whatever helps you. Don't worry about dropping anybody, even if it's a superstar. Which is the correct thing to do because all you have to care about is your current lineup. So if you know what your lineup's going to be, if you find someone who's not going to fit in your lineup, whether it's a Chris Taylor who's hurt, but you don't know if he's going to play, he may play three games, but you'd rather have someone who plays six or seven games, then even though Chris Taylor might have been your MVP for the entire season, he's a guy to drop. Yep, yep. It's injured players. It's also players performing badly or just somebody that may not play a lot or somebody that has poor matchups. Uh, doesn't matter what you do is the point. Second point is categories, categories, categories. If you're in a roto league, 
Um, it's all about the categories. Now, it, there's going to be trade-off, right? You, you might have a couple of points to gain in, in homers, but stolen bases are a weak point where you can lose two points. So it's a trade-off. You know, you can't always go for one and neglect the other. But, you know, based on what you need, you might want to tilt one way or the other. You know, if batting average for us, I just mentioned, three points we can gain, I'm certainly going to play all my batting average guys. You know, we, we had a choice to make this past week, play Isaiah Kiner-Falefa or Kyle Seeger. I mean, Kyle Seeger is extraordinary with the homers, but Kiner-Falefa, his batting average is superior. And we went with Kiner-Falefa. Uh, because he had an extra game. Seager was a little bit banged up, and, you know, we needed the average. So that was able to propel us. And he's having a great week. It was a great decision to, to sit Seager for him. Uh, but you can make these decisions based on the categories. Um, and, you know, you do have to manage it, but uh, just focus in on what you need. Wins versus ERA. If you are not going to gain or lose ERA, go for the wins. If you are iffy with ERA, if you can lose a point, you can't go all out and play crappy starters. That's very important. The ratio categories, even though it's the last week of the season, still matter. The batting averages matter. The ERAs matter. The whips matter. If it's so close, sometimes that one extra run that the pitcher gives up or that offer that the guy, your, your player that you put in gets, that could mean coming in second place. It could mean coming in third place or coming in fourth place out of the money. So you have to really be concerned about and watch all categories and make a decision of your lineup based on categories that have ratios, and you have to watch those ratios. And as far as looking for players, look for players who are in a pennant race. Um, certainly, if, if there's somebody on the Red Sox, the Yankees, they're going to play all the games. Like we talked about uh, Christian Vasquez last week about catchers. They're going to play their best guy. They're not going to alternate catchers, whereas some team who are out of it, they're just going to alternate catchers. You're going to get less at-bats from a, from a, a catcher. Um, you know, look for the players who are in the pennant race. You know, are the pitchers going to go strong in a game? You know, look for the guys who, who are going to be there. As far as pitchers go, look for pitchers who give length. I mean, it's about the innings. It's about, you know, lasting to the sixth inning to get the win. So look for pitchers who have gone six or seven innings in the season and not just five innings every single time. And also you have to remember this September is different than other Septembers. It's not an expanded 35-man uh, roster or 40-man roster where you can just keep – where managers can keep changing the pitchers. So pitchers may – starting pitchers – may end up going longer this September and the last week of the season than others just because a lot of bullpens have been depleted and they may get the chance to go those extra innings. Another thing to watch for are the injured players who are coming back. When the injured players come back, especially if they're on teams that have clinched a playoff spot, sometimes they want to have them get in a couple of games, maybe only two or three, just to make sure they don't have any rust. Players like Andrew Kittredge, who's placed on the IL, they put them on just for rest. Will he be activated before the season ends? Yes, but you may only get one or two games out of him. So you have to decide, based on pennant races, who you should be activating from your IL. Now, as far as younger players, my next point here is, um, for hitters, it's probably a good idea to look at some younger players. I mean, the, especially teams who are out of it, the teams are going to see what they're going to get out of the player. They're going to get the at-bats. Whereas for pitchers, I would go the other way. Um, you know, pitchers could be shut down. Pitchers, you might think, okay, well, they're starting on Tuesday. Great, they'll for sure play, and next thing you know, shut down for the season. Or you might think they're getting a two-start week, shut down for the season. Whereas the pitchers who are veterans, I mean, John Lester, he's in a pennant race also, but John Lester, he's not going to sit down. Marco Gonzalez, veteran, he's not going to sit even if they're out of it. He'll play the last game of the season. So for pitchers, go with the veterans, especially those on the back end of the week. 
and don't be scared of going with the hot hand either. If you go with the hot hand, you have a better chance of gaining in 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 your in counting stats, in your ratios, and everything like that. You can, don't have to be concerned if you're going to play, let's say, a lower level outfielder over a higher level outfielder. Like if you want to sit. Eloy Jimenez, this actually may be the week to do it because how many games is he going to play? The White, the White Sox clinched already. They want him to be healthy for the playoffs. How many games will he play in the last week of the season? Three, maybe four, just so he doesn't have that much rust. Do you want that with those possible stats? It's the same like if you have a uh, player with five games versus seven games. How do you want How do you want to play that? But a lot of times you may have to play the hot hand and actually sit the bigger names just to get more stats in for this week. You, know, you mentioned hot hand and... Um... This is sort of a, a point of contention I have with uh, Derek Cardi, um, who's a, a partner of mine in uh, one of my leagues, GDD, which is mostly experts. Um, and, you know, Derek Cardi does wonderful projections over at the bat, um, and they're phenomenal projections. But, you know, at the end of the season, I'm very mu- – and, and by the way, Derek Cardi is going to come on in the uh, in the uh, offseason to possibly to debate this point. Uh, but – I go with the hot hand. I go with players who have performed well in the last month. I take projections and I not ignore them because I am a projections guy, but I disregard them slightly in favor of uh, what has been going on the last month. You know, I think that projections are wonderful in general, but there's always blind spots. And one blind spot of projections, I feel, is that in the end of the season, especially pitchers, um, pitchers are now going to pitch at their max. If you're out of it, if they know they're not going to go to the postseason and they've got two starts left, I think you're going to see a little bit different stuff. You might get more max velocity. You're going to get a little bit different kind of effort. So I think to say that, you know, projections are projections and they're all going to regress to wherever their mean is, that is true, except that their mean is not their usual, not the usual 162 marathon. It's the final couple starts. So even pitchers who, hey, listen, today I, I started Kyle Freeland against the Dodgers at home in Colorado. What what the heck was I thinking? He actually pitched a very good game, and he would have even had the win if the Rockies' bullpen didn't cough it up with two outs in the ninth inning and, and nobody on. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's really about looking at who's doing well lately. Check those velocities. But uh, I would ignore projections in favor of recent history is my suggestion to you guys. I totally agree with that. At this point, you may be rather better off playing a Jared Kalenic who's actually hot right now and doing well, as opposed to another outfielder who's cold, like an Anthony Santander, who has produced in the past and has has a track record of doing these th- uh, doing well during the course of the season. So that may be a good you know start and not and sit, but you don't know because the last week of the season, anything can happen. You know, and also if a player is struggling, a bat a batter, let's say, is struggling. Maybe there's a, a, a small injury that they're just playing through. Hey, it's a couple more games. I'm just going to play through it anyways. You don't know that. You'll find out later maybe maybe what happened. But, again, you know his state in September is not the mean state. There's going to be concealed stuff that you don't know. And what I'm saying is that projections really won't capture what's going on in the last week. So, uh, you know, if, if a hitter is cold, don't play him. I don't care if he's a superstar or not. Uh, I, I would uh, look to bench them. Um, the last point that I want to make here is that be sure when you make your fab pickups that you have a team with some roster flexibility. So just in case somebody gets injured, even if your waiver pickups are Sunday night and the lineup starts on Monday, 
I mean, you're 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 gonna set your lineup anyway, so it's it's you're gonna set whatever it is. It is. You get two catchers just in case your your catcher is is hurt in on Monday and you find out late. Um, get a guy on the bench who has multi eligibility in the outfield and the infield. So just in case some guy has to scratch a start, then you have somebody. Especially in leagues that are the daily or have two pickups during the week, um, or different lineup decisions during the week. You must, must, must make sure that you have flexibility. Choose flexibility over good players. Drop players who you wouldn't play the week in favor of crappier players, but who can fill in just in case there's an injury. And also get those extra relievers because just in case you decide you want to change a start, you don't like a start or a starter gets shut down and you don't know about it until Monday afternoon or if the roster locks on Tuesday and Tuesday, you have that extra flexibility just to throw that pitcher in just so you don't get a zero the last week of the season. Right. All right. Any other points to make moving before we uh, wrap up our strategy for the regular season? Yes. This is the last week of the season. Go a lot of times you can go with your gut. Last week I told Ariel to go with his gut and try to pick up Josh Rogers of the Nationals, and he decided against it the last second. Now it was just a complete gut feeling. Sometimes the gut is wrong, sometimes the gut is right. So far for this week, it looks like it has been. And you know what? If you're borderline going to make the money, going to make going to going to not finish in the money, sometimes your gut can pay off. Yeah, that's true. Um. Go with your gut sometimes. I mean, uh, my gut was not to my gut was not to pick him up and play him. I like the Freeland start plus a closer in the back half of the week better than his two start. But you know, hey, you, you know, you do what you can. Uh, don't lose. You don't want to lose by second guessing yourself. Make a decision, own it, be happy with your decision. Go into the week with a clear mind and say, listen, I made the decision, and that's it. I'm not going to say, ah, crap, I should have done that. You know? You'll feel bad about yourself. Uh, I certainly feel bad that I didn't play that, that player, but uh, what are you going to do, you know? Right. Yeah. All right. On to our waiver wire section. But before that, our final regular season Injury Gurus Trivia of the Week. Now, this is going to be a very interesting trivia question because we're talking about hot players and we're talking about the waiver wire. So... My question to you is this. For the last three weeks of this season, who has the, the top 10 most hits in baseball for the last three weeks of the season so far? Okay, I'm gonna, one of them I think I know because is one of the guys I'm looking at. Alcides Escobar? Alcides Escobar is correct. He's, he's actually tied with a few other players. Yeah. Is it Kiner Falefa? Kiner Falefa is not in the top 10, but he's getting close, though. Okay. Think of the hottest players in baseball right now. Who are the hottest players in baseball coming down the stretch? Uh, Bo Bichette, Tim Anderson, one of those shortstops? Bo Bichette just falls out. Tim Anderson, okay. not yet. He, he, got, he caught fire the last couple of games. But the number one player, most hits since, in, since the beginning of September, Juan Soto. He's got 32 oh, wow. hits so far. Number two... Frank Schwindel. Frank Schwindel's oh. been on fire. He's batting 397 sure. for the month so far. <laughs> Nicky Lopez is right, number three, right. tied with Vlad Guerrero. They both have 30 hits for the month so far. Andrew Benatendi has 29 hits. He's batting 382 for the, for the month of September so far. And then we got a tie with Alcides Escobar, the one you mentioned. But that's what you have. It's very hard to think of Alcides Escobar in the same n- sentence with Kyle Tucker, Freddie Freeman, 
Javi Baez, and Luis Robert, which is just crazy. They all have the same amount of hits for the last three minutes, weeks or since the beginning of September. Alcides Escobar, he's batting 370 in the last week. He has a stolen base, so he can get you some stolen bases, and he only 6% owned in CBS. So if you want a possible steals guy who's actually hitting for average and hitting not just for the last week, but for the, for the month so far, he's a guy to get. Another guy you may want to get is Jesus Sanchez. He's only 34% owned in CBS. He has raised his batting average almost 20 points in the last three weeks, and he leads the league in those three weeks with seven homers. He's tied with Austin Hayes, who's also available in a lot of leagues. Jesus Sanchez also is, has the second most RBIs in that span and the second most runs in that span. So he's available in about 65 or 70% of most leagues. If you can get him and play him the last week, he's on the Marlins, he will play. And another shortstop I want to mention is Freddie Galvez. He's only 17% owned in CBS, and over the last three weeks as well, he has four homers and batting 309. I'm going to mention a whole bunch of guys since it's the last week of varying uh, levels of ownership. But uh, just to, to, to bring a point, Alcides Escobar, it's an empty average, although he does score a lot of runs. They're batting him in the top of the order. He has 46 runs and 275 at-bats this year, which is very good. Um, Jesus Sanchez, um, I mean, he has 13 homers and 200 at-bats. You cannot ignore him if you need a power bat. That is absolutely a great rate. Um, here's a couple of other hitters of varying degrees. Hunter Dozier, 35% owned, homer in his last two games. Last two weeks of the season, batting 333, uh, slugging 810, five homers. He has seven games next week at Cleveland and versus Minnesota, and he qualifies at first, third, and outfield. We talked about multi-positional eligible players. Hunter Dozier does qualify on that. Garrett Hampson is heating up. If you haven't had him, he's 42% owned. Um, so probably in shallow leagues available, not in deep leagues. Check him out. Harrison Bader. Uh, at one point, some people were thinking he'd be the next Mike Trout. Last two weeks of the season, 304, triple slash, 304, 347, 500. Cardinals are in a pennant race. Good to pick up those guys. Take a look at Harrison Bader, who's a threat to power and steal also. For the Marlins, uh, Luan Diaz, 6% owned. He's also heating up. His average on September 8th was 108. Now it's at 221. He's batting 283 with three homers in that span. Another guy, if you don't see Sanchez on your waiver wire, Diaz is far more available. Take a look. Um, how about Yoshi Tetsugo? Apparently you go to the Pirates, you become good. 7% owned. Take a look at him. How about another Pirate, Anthony Alford? Now this is a pick for stolen bases. He has a lot of stolen, a tape, a t a stolen base attempts this month. A lot of them caught, but he's trying. Um... If 3% owned, so there's a very good chance he's available. If you are desperate for speed, Anthony Alford could fit you. And finally, in a pennant race, here's a guy who's – this is very under-owned. 8% Edmundo Sosa. Um, he qualifies in the middle infield. Um, he, sit in the, he, he has six homers and two stolen bases, batting 275 in the last month. Um, he is on the pace for a full season if he played a full season of a 15-15 with a decent average. Very useful type player. I'd like to see him play next year because that is an excellent pace uh, for Roto. So Edmundo Sosa, I'd highly recommend picking him up if he's available. And he's available in almost 90% of leagues. And that last thing you said to keep in mind for next year, a lot of these guys who have a hot September, sometimes they can carry it over to next year. So keep a lot of these names in the back of your mind when you start drafting for next year because these guys may be undervalued because they haven't had a great full season, but they may gain the confidence in September to do well next year. 
Yeah, uh, there will be somebody from the list of players that Ruvain mentioned earlier who's hitting great in September. Somebody from that list is going to be undervalued and be fantastic next year. I'm not going to say everybody, but there is going to be a nice percentage of those people that are going to be in drafts at a bargain that you're going to be able to go and and it's from the September uh, hot streak. So at the end of the year, I always download the last 30 days of worth of September and I take a look. Hey, who do I overlook? And before drafts, I take one last pass through all of, did I forget about this guy? Did I forget about this guy? On the list is, did I forget about anybody who was hot in September? And then I look at them and I analyze a little bit deeper uh, and I push some of them up ahead if I think that uh, what they've done the last month of the year is ref- is reflective of what they could do, their true base, and I use it for the following year. Pitcher preview. All right, last, last, last week. No future two-star pitchers, um, but there might be just some good starts or good two-star pitchers. Who do you have for this final week of the season, Ruben? I don't have any real good, there aren't really any good two-star pitchers that are really available on the waiver wire. I did look through the rest of the stars, and I did find one guy who's standing out there for Seattle, Tyler Anderson. He has one star scheduled on September 31st or October 1st, whatever you want to call it, and he's only 40% owned in CBS. He's got 16 strikeouts in the last 16 innings, and he's playing the LA Angels, and in, and that's in the last three stars. He's got also a 3-3-8 ERA and a win. So if you want a good one-start guy, he's probably available and he can give you that one good start. Secondly, when it comes to these two-star pitchers, if you look at the list, I would be very cautious picking them because a lot of them may end up not having those two stars and they may go with a bullpen to second start. So just be aware of that, which is why I would say try to look for some relievers on the waiver wire and just have a possible reliever out there like Washington's Tanner Rainey, who's just recalled from the minors and in three appearances so far, he's got six strikeouts and two and two thirds innings with a save. Tanner Rainey was a possible closer coming into the season and he may be gaining the confidence to be the possible closer next year. So I'll give you a couple of people to think about. Um, Joe Ryan, about 50% owned two forty-five ERA this month with a point five nine whip. That is enormous. 25 strikeouts in 22 innings. Like, if I if I just said those are the statistics for a month, guess that, and, you know, you wouldn't come up with Joe Ryan, right? Um, that is phenomenal. He's rolling. To start this coming week, potentially, Detroit and Kansas City. That is a yes, easily. Unfortunately for me, in Tat Wars, Frank Stample has him. Played him and got the win the other day, and he has him for next week, so I can't scoop him up there. Um, how about John Lester, 34% owned. Mention him this month, 235 ERA, .88 whip, with three wins and four quality starts. He gets to face Milwaukee, which is not a great hitting team. He just beat them last week. He will not get you a lot of strikeouts, John Lester, at all, but he has a good chance for a win. So, you know, if you want somebody who's not going to crush you, not going to kill your ERA, and you don't care about the strikeouts, you care about the wins, John Lester would fit your roster. How about Brady Singer, 33% owned? He's been up and down this year. He had a good start last week against Cleveland and a bad start against Minnesota. Before then, he had a great start against the White Sox, so he's bouncing around. He usually doesn't give any clean starts, but he's two-start this week, potentially Cleveland and Minnesota. Again, if you're desperate for wins, that's worth a gamble. If you're worried about your ERA, don't start Singer. Mitch Keller, 9% owned versus the Cubs on Tuesday. Um, maybe, maybe they bring him back for an appearance on Sunday. Maybe. 
In his last couple of outings, he's only given up two runs. His last outing against the Cubs that he's going to face, no runs in six innings. Um, I just consider him, again, if you're desperate, I would not use him if your ratios are tight, but if you need a pitcher to get some wins, I'd consider it. Finally, Paulo Espino of the Nationals, 17% owned at Colorado this week, lot of strikeouts. Here is a guy that if you need the strikeouts, I would throw him. 32 strikeouts in his last 27 innings. It's very consistent. Uh, in that span, he had a 3 3 ERA and a 119 whip. So he's been very good this month. Good strikeouts. You're guaranteed to get the strikeouts. It's Colorado, so he probably will give up some more runs, but he will strike out some more. So, you know, that's the kind of outing you're looking for and a decent chance to win a game. I would I would go with Espino. Another thing I want to mention is all these guys we mentioned, take a look at what they've done in the last three weeks. See who they play, because a lot of these pl- a lot of these pitchers we mentioned are playing the same teams over and over again. And if you see they've done well against one of these teams, then he's a, then that's it makes the pick all that more easy to make. Yep. All right. Final regular season injury report of the year. Take it away, Roofing. Well, I was talking about relievers before. I'm going to talk about relievers again. Devin Williams has been has been unavailable recently due to a calf injury. He he sustained it running while in the outfield. He hasn't pitched since September 18th, and since the Brewers already clinched a spot, it's possible the Brewers will not push him. But they probably don't want him to be rusty either, so he may not pitch that much during the course of next week. Darren Ruff. He's on the IL with a right oblique strain. It was retroactive to September 20th. We don't know how bad it is yet, but Alex Dickerson was just activated off the IL. We'll get some playing time. And Wilmer Flores will again see more playing time as the backup at first base. Mike Moustakis, who has been a disappointment this whole season, was placed on the IL with right plantar fasciitis of his right foot. Retroactive to September 21st, but based on the severity of that injury, plantar fasciitis, do not expect him back this year. Jason Hayward is on the seven-day concussion list. He's done for the year. Cody Bellinger was placed on the aisle with a left rib fracture retro to September 18th. He was set to come back to play in Colorado. So probably a lot of people had him in their starting lineups, even though he had a non-displaced rib fracture, but the pain was too much and they put him on the aisle. He was he can be activated middle of next week, but I don't know if you actually want to do that. So he's a guy you may want to drop. Another reliever who's injured. Garrett Whitlock. He was placed on the IL with pectoral tightness. Manager Alex Kors said the pectoral tightness is not considered serious, and they don't feel he's going to be ready in the next couple of days, so he may be done for the rest of the regular season. It's possible that if they need him toward the end of, this, of next week, if it's a playoff run, they may try to activate him and see what they get. Hyun Jin Ryu of the Toronto Blue Jays. He's on the aisle with a neck strain. He actually woke up with it Saturday morning after his start last Friday. The Jays hope he'll only miss one start, but if he does have to miss more, Ross Stripling could fit in. Gregory Soto, the closer for Detroit, was placed on the aisle with a fractured left ring finger. He's done for the year. Other players who are possible basically done for the year, David Bednar, Blake Snell, Jesse Winker's probably done for the year. Jake McGee may come back, but we don't know. Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard may be activated next week, but you're not going to get that much out of them. Johnny Cueto may come back next week. Dylan Bundy, unlikely to return. Jamison Tyon may return. Connor Joe out. Joe, uh, Jake Odorizzi in. He's supposed to start this weekend. Jacob Stongs is trying to be activated next week. Jorge Faro is done for the year with a left calf strain. And Justin Upton is out for the year with a low back strain. You know, the only other thing I didn't mention when we're talking about the strategy of last week is that you should also look about teams who have already clinched playoffs. They may reorganize their rotation. So just just be careful. You know, teams like the 
Dodgers, Giants, although they're they're trying to win their division, more teams like the White Sox and the Brewers, they're going to reorganize their rotation so that they set up exactly the way they want to. So just be wary that those teams might just pull the plug completely on whatever whatever you see listed as the probable starters. That just might all go completely off off the grid. Right? Just just that, watch out for that. That goes for the Astros also, and that goes for yeah. the Rays reorganizing their bullpen, getting it set and ready for the postseason. Yeah, yeah. Just be wary about that. All right. So um, we'll, we'll just to, to do a little bit of housekeeping here to let you guys know what we're going to be up to in the next couple of weeks. And uh, well, you know, this isn't our last show of the year, so we'll do all our thank yous uh, on a later show. But you know, it's always a good time to thank the audience for listening. Uh, really, the show is made possible by everyone listening here um, and enjoying, hopefully, and coming back for another episode every single week. And we really appreciate that you've been doing that first and foremost. Yes, thank you very much for listening, and we hope you continue to listen. Yeah. So um, we're going to take a week break. There's no pickups to make anyways next week. So we're going to just take a quick week break. We're going to have a wrap-up episode of the season the week after. Then we're going to have our live show from Arizona the week after that. And we'll have another wrap-up, probably a strategy wrap-up episode after that. We'll probably take a couple weeks off somewhere in uh, November before our coverage of uh, strategy, strategy, strategy. Oh, talking about risk and variance, and talking about uh, how we can things do, how we can do things differently. The final frontier of fantasy baseball, in my opinion, is risk management, and we'll do a lot about that in the off season. Stuff that you just can't get anywhere else. We'll we'll cover you there. Uh, so please uh, do stay tuned every single week um, uh, that we do shows because there'll be great stuff going on in for next year. You could always pick up advice going in next year, as, as, and as all our shows are. Uh, you know, we do the waiver wire picks for a weekly, but um, the strategy stuff really is applicable any single week of the year. You can listen back, literally, to our first episode of the year, and uh, you can get information on what to do and, and thought process, you know, uh, throughout the year. It, 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 it's, it's never dated. It's never specific to every year. It's always strategy that you can use forever. Uh, so please do continue to listen, and we have you covered. Yep, and we hope you enjoyed this whole season that we did, and we hope you benefited from it. Hopefully, we gave you some good advice, hopefully not too much bad advice, and hopefully if you continue to follow us, you'll get even better advice in the future. Yep, all right, so again, episodes in two weeks and three weeks from now. We are off next week. Uh, We wish you good luck to the rest of your season. I know a lot of you who listen regularly tell me that you're in first place or you're going for a championship, so I want to wish you the best of luck. Um, Hopefully, you'll come up with a bunch of titles. Hopefully, Reuven and I, when we come back to wrap the season up, we'll get to announce to the audience that we've won a couple of titles. So, uh, fingers crossed. Uh, It's all luck. At at some point, you press the final button for your start-sit decisions, your final waiver pickups, and it's now just up to the players, and that's the end. And just just like the rotisserie oven, you just set it and forget it. (laughs) There you go. All right, before we go, why don't you just tell everybody where we can read you, find you, and all things Reuven Guy. You can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I will continue throughout the offseason giving injury updates, also injury updates on players who get hurt in the offseason, because that does happen, updates on players who have surgery in the offseason and how things are going with them. And you can also catch my final waiver wire uh, injury article on Roto Bowler this weekend. All right, and you can look for my stuff over at Fangraphs, over at Sportsline and Roto Bowler. The uh, on Twitter you can follow me on at ATCNY, the shortest Twitter handle in fantasy baseball. Just 
five letters, ATC and Y. Of course, the ATC projections will be back next year. Got a long way to go. A lot of people ask when that comes out. The answer is third week in January. So uh, unlike uh, Steamer comes out like literally the week or two after the uh, the end of the regular season. So uh, um, you have, might have to wait for ATC. Take a look at Steamer. Jared Cross does some great uh, great job with those projections. So check them out in the meantime. Uh, but And, of course, you can always listen to me right here on the Beat the Shift podcast each and every week. It's been a successful first season over um, on Fangraphs. Uh, we made the move here, and uh, it's really been fantastic uh, to, to be on uh, the Fangraphs network here. Uh, so I want to thank, uh, thank them as well for having us. Yes. Um, and uh, anything else to add? Have a great off season. Have a great final week of the season, and good luck. Yep, that's it. All right. We'll see everybody next time. Good luck in the rest of your season. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.